Good evening, TDN listeners. Welcome to this weekend interview. I'm your host, Anthony Drago. This weekend interview is a production of TDNRadio.net. Every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., I have the, the privilege to have conversations with persons of interest, persons who have interesting information to share, whether because of their training, their experience, their work, Whatever it is that I find very interesting, some of it is contemporary and some of it is historical. Sometimes we do political, sometimes we do economics. And um, I get to do those conversations with persons whom I admire. That's a privilege that I have and I am very honored to, to share that experience with you. And so tonight is no exception. Tonight I have a very interesting conversation on tap, a very interesting guest I must say. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we did an interview with um, Ms. Catherine Dorset, and the whole premise was that storytelling is part of our Caribbean, our Caribbean culture, our heritage that, that seemed to have come straight down from our African, our Africanness, our identification with African culture. And, and so tonight, my topic tonight has to do with storytelling. You know, the Caribbean have, um, over the years produced a tremendously talented and gifted writers. And I've had a few of them on my show. And tonight I have another up-and-coming um, writer. And she's, she's released her first, her first book. Actually, it's a book of short stories. And I'm, I'm so excited and anxious to get to our conversation. But as usual, if you are joining me, every Wednesday night, welcome. Welcome back. I, I never take your time for granted. I always know that there's a thousand other things you may be doing and I am I am so grateful that you make this weekend interview part of your weekly agenda. If tonight is the first night that you're listening to the show, I hope you still will become regular because you hopefully you will feel like um, the information that we share was sufficiently um, engaging that, that you, you think it's worth coming back. And also, if you listen regularly, you know I always start the show by doing the the CARICOM anthem because I, I really and truly believe that the Caribbean should be one country. And so, as a first big step, we do have an anthem. So let's listen to Mikel and listen as she does the CARICOM anthem. And when we come back, we're going to launch into what I'm sure is going to turn out to be one of the most delightful conversations that I've had on this weekend interview in quite some time. So I'll be right back. From many distant lands Our forefathers came Some seeking adventure Some bound in chains Through battles waged and and pain by test of their courage our freedom was gained in homage to those gone before us the heroes of lands in the sun we vow to join hands and to focus on building one Caribbean raise your voice Caribbean pride Sing it loud and strong 
come back. Um, and as I said before, before we took the break, tonight we are going to be talking about, uh, about storytelling, about the art, the artistic part of our people. And, uh, you know, Mikel Henderson doing such uh, a, an excellent job with the CARICOM anthem every week reminds me of how talented our, our people are and how much more we could get as a as a niche as a people if we could find a way to to bring those talents together under one um auspices the caribbean as, as one people uh in terms of storytelling um let me before i jump in the conversation with our guests remember two or three weeks ago we had um catherine dorsett uh the author of fire on monstrat and she was on and we were talking about she doing the movie uh, Fire on Monstrat, the movie, which is coming soon. And there's a GoFundMe page where she is asking for your support. So I'm encouraging you to go there and, and make a contribution. Uh, by the way, contributions of $25 or more gets you a chance to win an uh, all-expense-paid trip to either the World Korean Music Festival in Dominica or the St. Lucia Jazz Festival. So if you, if you support with $25, you you're going to get in there if you support with a hundred dollars you get four chances so go there check it out it's on gofundme.com fire on monstrat is going to do that movie but in the vein of storytelling of course um if you're from the caribbean you know the part that storytelling has played in our lives you know um in all in my time i'm going to date myself here we used to do it at nights on the moonlight and you go Tim Tim Boasek or Music Week or, or sometimes on the radio you would hear stories of Brian Nancy and, and Brian Rabbit, Compel Lapin and those things. So, so this, the, the tradition of storytelling is one that's strong and it seems like it's, it, it goes directly, our, our, start, our type of storytelling it goes directly back to our, our ancestry. And so I, I, I'm always it's always a pleasure for me to interview people who have been able to to get into not only telling the story but putting it down in written form because then it it, it preserves the stories for for posterity and of course these people the pull the stories from their imaginations from the observations of, of what's happening and so on so my guest tonight is is miss nicole judges bennett from Dominica, you know, has been called Georgie. She is a radio personality journalist. Um, the TDN radio listeners will also be familiar with her because she does regular reports on TDN radio. So, in a sense, she's family. So, so me welcoming her to this weekend interview, I, the first time she's going to be my guest on this weekend interview, is really um, just saying welcome to, to a, a part of the TDN family. So, Nicole, um, let me just welcome you. Say a warm welcome to this weekend interview. Um, before I launch into asking you um, questions about your writing and the book that you've just released, um, <laughs> why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a background as to who you are? Thank you so much, Tony. It's my pleasure uh, to be on this week in interview. It's uh, my first um, time with you, so I'm very excited and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, as you gave me such a great intro, there isn't a whole lot left to say. I've been in journalism for the last 20 plus years and I've worked in a variety of media, so um, television, mainly in radio. I've also done some work in newspaper and um, print and magazines. 
and also uh, social media and online um, newscasts and that type of thing, podcasts. So, you know, I've done a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah, so, no. you know, God has uh, blessed me with lots of talent and um, hopefully I'm using it as he would like. Yes, and, and anybody who's who's heard your reports um, would definitely give you a firm um, confirmation of that fact. But, you know, I opened the conversation about our whole tradition of telling stories, telling our stories. And the reason, okay. what brings you to this weekend interview specifically at uh, this time is the fact that you've just released your first book. It's a book of short yes, stories. Yes, that's right. You're right. Yes. yes. Uh, very excited. Uh, very, you know, the, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read all of the stories, but what I've, what I've, what I've, what I know of, of them, it's very engaging read. But before we go specifically into it, I don't know if you wanted to, to talk a little bit about the, the part that, um, it's the importance that storytelling um, plays, the part it plays in, 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 a, in, a, in a culture, in a people's culture and heritage, yeah. and, and what it feels like to you now be part of, of that record um, of storytelling. Well, it's definitely an honor to be part of that long tradition. And as you pointed out, um, you know, storytelling is a huge part of our culture. And I think um, all over the world, people have passed down their stories from generation to generation, you know, oral Storytelling is a key part of African culture and obviously traveled um, to the Caribbean uh, with the descendants of uh, the Africans. So I think that storytelling is a huge part of who we are as a people. And um, it's a way of passing on knowledge. It's a way of passing on our history, a way of sharing, you know, our thoughts and our imagination. So it is um, very intimidating almost, you know, to be a part of that. But it's also an honor. And I hope to, um, you know, to do justice to all of the storytellers who have come before me. And and when we talk about storytelling, it's like we almost assume that it's, it's fiction that, we, that we're talking about. But in a sense, you've been telling stories for your entire career, pretty much, because <laughs> journalism, in a sense, is, is telling stories. It's just that they're factual stories, um, to a large extent, are stories about current events. So, so how do you, how does it compare um, to 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 bridge that gap between um, journalism and and the fiction part of that of, of your of your new work? Well, it's vastly different. Um, I would say that when you are dealing in journalism, as you mentioned, you know, it's very factual. It's just you know who, what, where, when, and you are trimming off any excess that would um, you know cloud the fact of what you're talking about, about what you're reporting on. With fiction, obviously, you can, you know, your your imagination can take you in any direction and you feel a lot more uh, liberty to explore different ideas and to add in your voice and add in your perspective. So it's very different um, types of storytelling. And um, it, it's actually a challenge to switch over from journalism into fiction writing um, because you have to develop a voice with your fiction. You have to be able to share a bit more personality. So it's been quite the challenge. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you, you, you want to expand on that a little bit um, as to, you know, what you, you, you're actually saying that you find it challenging to, I guess, to take liberties with your imagination and put them into stories, whereas you're used to making sure that if you're journalism, yeah. that you, you're reporting facts and 
and double checking and cross checking and making sure that things are <laughs> accurate and yeah. So let's let's flesh that out a little bit. You know, just dwell on that a little bit. Um, in terms of the actual process. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sure. Um, I think, for example, when you are approaching a new story, you have to be objective or as objective as is possible for a human being to be. Um, when you are writing stories, you are dealing with a, an art form. And I wouldn't classify journalism as an art form per se. I think, um, you know, there's certain rules and guidelines that you follow as a journalist when you're writing because you want to be as clear, as concise, make sure that your audience understands, you know, as I said, who, what, where, and when. And when you are writing a story, you have to develop a voice that conveys setting, that conveys mood, tone, tension, and I believe that it, it, it really is a skill that you have to develop that I'm in the process of learning myself, you know. Um, when you are writing fiction, you... You have to create um, a scenario in your reader's mind, and it can't be bare bones. It has to have um, flavor, as it were. So, you know, again, very different types of um, storytelling. I, I, I really, I really like the way that you you made the distinction because I think so. It's so it's so important now. Um, when we when we look at what's happening to to news on the media right now, and um, where where you find people talking about your set of facts and my set of facts, and everything <laughs> seems to be to have a spin to it. Um, yeah, I, I I think that what you what you just the distinction that you just made between what is supposed to be journalism and what is supposed to be storytelling. Is so mm-hmm. is so important now because, um, especially for young people who who may not have experienced, you know, the, this, when it was distinct, um, they may not they may not understand that too much because um, we see sometimes in the news we see more spin than in fiction, you know. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that it's um, you know it's this whole alternative alternative facts. Um, element that somehow crept into journalism and, you know, I'm not going to say where that came from, but, um, I think that it, you're right, you know, we have sort of lost, um, a bit of, uh, objectivity when it comes to news reporting and to, and I think it's a real challenge now, um, uh, particularly for young people who are coming in and saying, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be objective here. I'm trying to report on the fact, but, you know, I have this boss who wants things fun this way, or maybe, you know, the, the management is under the control of some corporation, and they have their own agenda as well, so it's, um, I think it's a lot more challenging for young journalists um, trying to kind of, um, you know, do do the right thing, and to do a good job, And but they still have to balance all of these other people's agendas, all of these other, you know, these people's um, desires, so it's, it's yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because because um, ratings and and everything is what counts. So the news, in a mm-hmm. sense, has to be entertaining. Is that <laughs> I almost well, you're I right. You're absolutely right. That, but yeah, <laughs> no, but it's true because and I, I can tell you. I mean, I went to um, I went to university to study journalism, and one of the first classes that um, I sat in, the the professor said, "Good news does not sell," <laughs> and we were sort of like, well, you know. We never thought about it, but you're right. I mean, I've actually seen publications that have tried to come out 
and to promote what is, um, you know, what's positive happening in the city. Um, you know, people doing heroic things, um, corporations, you know, doing charitable things. And those papers disappeared very quickly from the newsstand. So what sells, you know, tragedy, death, drama, politics. So, yeah. You know, it, 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 that's, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. It's that people are more attracted to, to, to negative than they are yeah, to positive. Sensationalism, definitely. But, but, you know, I brought you on here tonight so we not, not to talk about, um, <laughs> not to talk about the serious stuff of journalism, but to sort of let your hair down, so to speak, and talk okay. about stories, you know. Um, you, sure. First of all, let me congratulate you on the release of your book, the title of the book Thank being you. Tales from St. Mark's. Um, Tales that, of St. Mark's, yes. Tales of the, let me just tell listeners, it's on Amazon.com. And, you know, I always I always like to say, go on there and support support our own. But, you know, the thing about it is that it's one thing to say we're supporting our own, but the quality of the work in itself is worth um, reading, it's worth getting, so, so, so you get a double, you get a double benefit. But, um, again, as I said, congratulations on the release of your, of your work. Um, let's lay out a little bit, just in, in, in really broad strokes, what, mm -hmm. um, what the, your book is about. Your book, which you have entitled Tales from St. Mark's. So, Tales of St. Mark's is set on an island in the Caribbean Sea. It's a fictional island, but I think that it's recognizable to, you know, people who have lived in the Caribbean or visited the Caribbean. So, imagine this fictional, beautiful island in the Caribbean Sea where strange things and strange people intersect. So this is a collection of enigmatic short stories where fantasy, folklore, and fear permeate the lives of the people of St. Mark's who reside under the ominous presence of a mysterious science facility. So that's the summary on the back of the book. What I've done is I've created um, a set of characters and events that take place on a fictional island in the Caribbean within a sort of a sci-fi fantasy setting. And that's, that's it in a nutshell. That, that's the summary. Within a sci-fi fantasy, fantasy. setting. Because that's a genre that I'm trying to write in and I'm trying to promote. Okay, okay. Because in the Caribbean, when I hear sci-fi, I wonder if it's if it's political way of saying Obia and Laja bless you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what though? I mean, those those things, um, you know, the mythology of the Caribbean is um, is what people most I think quickly associate with Caribbean fantasy fiction, and that is exactly what I'm trying to move away from. I didn't exactly get away from it because you know it's such a big part of. Our, um, our upbringing in the Caribbean are those stories, you know, Jambi, Sukuya, mm -hmm. Najablet, all of that. It's part of our, um, you know, it's part of our culture, and these are the stories we grew up hearing. And I think Caribbean literature, fantasy in particular, tends to stick rather closely to that or is very heavily influenced by that. So what I'm trying to do is to promote science fiction and fantasy, which is other worlds, other cultures, you know, um, trying to push beyond those um, the boundaries of, of mythology and the folklore of the Caribbean, but still being influenced by them, but trying to, you know, go in a different direction and using your imagination 
and building off of those um, mythologies and folklore. So that's what I've tried to do with this book is that, you know, as as much as there is that element of, you know, mythology in there, there, there is that element of local folklore. And I'm from Dominica, so I could not help that. You know, it, it still is in there. I tried to do something different in each story so that when my readers are reading the stories, they're not going, hmm, yeah, this is kind of familiar. I think I know where this is going to go. I've tried to put a twist and a spin in there that is outside of what you would typically find in um, a story like that, in, in those type of stories. Wow. I, I, I think that you cha- it sounds like you really challenged yourself um, with, this, with this work. And, and, and I like the, you know, the novelty of it, as you said, um, introducing science fiction fantasy um, in in Caribbean in a Caribbean setting, I think is something that is new. I don't know if, if you you might be more familiar with the field than me, but I mean that that's pretty new for for the Caribbean, right? Well, um, I can't speak for the whole Caribbean. I know for Dominica for sure, mm. we do have a tendency to stick within the the parameters of traditional folklore. So mm. you will tend to see the same set of characters coming up in stories, and we love to retell those stories, mm-hmm. you know, about, um, you know, the, the ball of light <laughs> flying through the trees mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody doing something suspicious down by the riverside, you know, right, that type right, of thing. Right, right, right. And um, and I think what we've done is we've missed an opportunity to build on those ideas and to build on those stories and to go beyond. Well, and it's, not the miss, I, it's not that we miss on the opportunities. We have, we have Nicole Judges Bennett who... S- is taking us in that direction. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's one of my goals. That's one of my aims is to hopefully be, you know, the first in my generation of writers at, at, at my age group um, because I think the older writers, I don't think they're going to touch this stuff. But I think, um, you know, I'm hoping that the people who come after me will fully inspire, you know, by Tales of St. Mark, you never know, but that they will start to explore writing in those genres of science fiction and fantasy. We are missing out on a huge industry. I mean, if you look at Hollywood right now and the movies that are are raking in, you know, the big money, almost all of them are in science fiction. They're either about comic heroes or, you know, um, Armageddon-type stories or things that have to do with the future, aliens, you name it. Um, I'm thinking right now one of the most popular shows on TV is um, The Expanse, um, Game of Thrones. All of these things are in those genres. Right. But but are Dominicans writing about stories like that? I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything like it. Um, I think the closest I've seen is by um, Lionel Levy, who wrote The Silver Spoon Effect. The Silver Spoon Effect. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a guess that that's probably the first work of pure science fiction and fantasy to come out of Dominica. Tales of St. Mark may be the first work by a Dominican female writer in science fiction and fantasy. Um, I, I could be corrected. I know there are other people who have sort of explored the fantasy themes. Um, Joanne Skerritt wrote Abraham's Treasure, and I think that sounds um, very close to, you know, to that that is a work of fantasy. So there, there are people who have experimented and dabbled in it, but I think we're missing out on a huge industry, and, um, you know, Hollywood is looking for stories. You mm. know, they're looking for scripts. They're looking for, I mean, who knows where this could go in terms of just film production. Um, you know, um, and creating our stories. Look at, um, you know, Catherine Helena Dorset doing Fire, uh, Fire and Monster, and she's going to have a film based out of that. Where are our stories 
of the future, where are stories of fantasy, and where are these where are the movies that could be coming out of that, and those industries that could be built up in Dominica. So and, that's kind of where we're trying yeah, to head. No, certainly, and, 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 <laughs> and the thing is that to date, a lot of times in the Caribbean, people come from outside and mm-hmm. sort of land on us and extract mm-hmm. our stories and then tell our stories from their perspective. And, right. and now we're seeing a movement from the Caribbean that we would like to see blossom. Not that the Caribbean haven't always had writers, but now we're seeing where Caribbean people are starting to take more control of, of telling their own stories. And like you said, it's starting to morph into the film industry and, and all of that. So, so I admire what you're doing and, and, and welcome, we welcome your work. Um, Tales of some bats. Uh, at this stage, I, 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 I want to invite you to, to give our listeners a little bit of a taste of mm-hmm. maybe a little a small excerpt from one of your stories to give them a little taste oh, of what flavor as to what, um, what, what's in the book. And um, before I do that, I also wanted to um, just say hi to um, Ron Deja and Lionel Levy because um, the two of them and myself have actually formed a Facebook group called Piton Noir the Dominica Sci-Fi Fantasy Writers Collective, which we initiated last year. And so that group we created to try and encourage Dominican writers to start exploring fantasy and, and science fiction in their writing. So I just wanted to make mention and say, hey guys, you know, so what's good work. So what's, what's the name of the Facebook page? It's called Piton Noir, mm-hmm. the Dominica Sci-Fi Fantasy Writers Collective. Okay. All right, so so, so listeners, you can go on Facebook and and follow that group, and um, that's right, yeah, and be part of it. All right. So what I'm going to do now is, um, as you asked, I'm going to read an excerpt from one of the stories. So this is an excerpt from the first story in the book. It's called Star Child, and um, I usually like to take the excerpts from sort of in the middle of the story. So it, it, you know, you're very, um, it whets your curiosity. And, um, if you'd like to find out what happens after that, then you can always, um, look up the book on Amazon.com. It's Tales of St. Mark's. So I'm going to be reading from Star Child. Sergeant Charles spotted a ripe hand of bananas on a tree close to the Ford's house. His partner, Sergeant Aurelius, newly transferred from the country area, protested the theft to no avail. Charles ate one banana swiftly and put the hand on the ground at the base of the tree. He took several banana leaves that were already on the ground and covered the hand. He heard a sharp cough from his partner and straightened up to see a woman looking directly at him. She was about 60, sun-dried and wrinkled from the outdoors. From her heavily stained clothes and the threatening way she gripped her cutlass, he assumed she was the farmer. Get away, she said, and took a step forward. Charles raised his hands in defense. Mrs. Ford, sorry about that. I was just hungry. It took both officers some time to convince her they were not simply thieving trespassers, but eventually she allowed them into the house and introduced her husband. Sergeant Aurelius gave them the news of their daughter's death. We know, Mr. Ford said simply. He retrieved a folded sheet of paper from his jeans pocket and handed it to Sergeant Charles before leading his wife out of the room. To the officers, she seemed so much smaller and older now than the cutlass-wielding Avenger in the banana field. Aurelius read the letter over Charles' shoulder. It was warm and flowery, at odds with the down-to-earth farmers they had just met. 
Why did she sign it, Starchild? Aurelius asked. Because that is what we called her, Mr. Ford said as he returned to the living room, alone. He sat down on the old paisley-covered couch with a stiffness, stiffness that bespoke arthritis. Sergeant Charles made a motion to Aurelius, who took out her notebook and began making notes. Mr. Ford gazed out the window. Thin shafts of gold sunlight filtered through the rips in the jade-green leaves of the banana plants and disappeared into the layers of mulch below. Charles and Aurelius exchanged glances as the silence lengthened. Mr. Ford, I know this is difficult for you, Charles began. Anna Marie was not our blood child, Mr. Ford interrupted abruptly. Aurelius resumed her scribbling. We found her after a storm in the field. It was such a bad storm. All the plants fall down flat. She was wrapped up in some kind of shiny cloth, kind of silver, kind of gold. It changed color when you turn it in the light. You think she was abandoned in the storm? Aurelius asked, her voice ringing with outrage. Sergeant Charles frowned at her, but she ignored him. Mr. Ford shook his head slightly. I don't know. The cloth was waterproof and she was wrapped up all over, all over her head, and her body was covered up. So she wasn't wet when we found her. She was lucky. I thought it was some kind of evil somebody put for us. I almost hacked it with my cutlass, but then she started to cry. Mr. Ford pinched the bridge of his nose with his thumb and index finger. When she got big and wanted to know where she came from, we told her she came from the stars to us. She was our little star child. His voice broke. The officers thanked him and took their leave. And that, that's an excerpt there out of Star Child. And uh, that's from the first story in the collection. You almost wanted me to say, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad. <laughs> no, um, you know, your, your, your writing is, is very, um, very clear and vivid. Um, I could see, I could, I could almost see myself in a banana field observing the, um, the interaction. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and, and that, that's the aim. That's the aim, yeah. And um, yeah. I guess now, you know, it sort of clarifies what you were saying earlier as to the difference between journalism and fiction because in fiction you sort of have to have to paint a picture more than you have to yeah. do, have to do in journalism. And oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and 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 even in that little excerpt as well, I guess you had hints of the of the sci fi aspect of it, the child wrapped in wrapped in um sort in, of an iridescent cloth, yeah. Right. So. Uh, and and also, if persons are familiar with Caribbean folklore, there's a little bit of Bulldog and Spencer, <laughs> where, where you know, like, if you remember Bulldog and where Bulldog, when he was guarding his um his banana, his prized banana bunches. So there's a bunch. Uh, what, what, the reason I'm saying that is because um I'm sure my listeners will agree that your your Caribbean, your Dominican heritage seems to be woven into your into your writing. Even you know, even like finding a child in, in the field wrapped in flower, mm-hmm. you know, there's that religious part of it, and, and, and so the the genre of um, how you call it, science fiction, science fiction, fiction and fantasy, and fantasy, uh, is, I, I must confess, is not a genre that I'm very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I would encourage, I am going to go follow the Facebook page that you just mentioned, and I, I would okay. encourage the, the listeners to, um, to think. But it, it's so interesting, 
that that you 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 create the imagination takes you there and you create stories in that genre. So I'm I'm going to ask you to mm-hmm. to delve a little bit into your writing. Um, how where you, how you get your inspiration? How you go about putting together your stories and that sort of thing. Uh, keeping in mind, in addition to letting to know you better as a writer, but also mm-hmm. you may have some young listeners, uh, not even have to be young, aspiring writers who would benefit from, from your technique. Well, first of all, I want to clarify by saying that I just, I'm not a professional writer. I do, I do, because I just want to make sure that, you know, as much as I'm, as, as much as I'm hoping to inspire others to explore the genre in their writing, I do not hold myself up as some sort of expert writer. So, I, you know, especially for, for fiction. But, um, in terms of ideas, um, I think my imagination is a little bit different <laughs> from from most folks. Um, you know, I have a very quirky sort of um, outlook and perspective, and um, sometimes it is um, things that I've noted that um, seem mundane on the on the surface, and then you know my brain starts to kind of take over and starts filling in the gaps. So, for example, I remember. Um, and I hope I don't get into trouble for this, but I remember sitting down in one of the news places where I worked and somebody came and said, oh, you know, they have somebody in the hospital and um person has no skin on. So, you know, and that was that was just an overheard clip of a conversation. So you start thinking, no skin, you know, well, you know, how did that happen? So then your brain starts filling in the gaps, right? And I'm sure, you know, um, readers from the Caribbean or, or, you know, people who are from the Caribbean can probably put, make, draw their own conclusions. But um, sometimes it's as simple as um, being in the supermarket and um, coming across maybe some fruit or vegetable that I've never seen before. And you start thinking, you know, this thing looks like it came from outer space. Well, maybe it did. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, you, you, you go from there and say, okay, well, if it came from outer space, what's it doing in the supermarket? Well, maybe we're supposed to eat it because, you know, this alien species is trying to feed, um, their DNA into human, uh, into human DNA and changes and, you know, and terraform the planet for their own purposes. And you, you, you could just pretty much go to town, um, on, you know, any number of, of things that seem so simple and ordinary. But I'm also very attracted to stories that I hear that have um, sort of a mysterious underpinnings to it. So, um, you know, I was always, for years, I was fascinated by the Bermuda Triangle. Could not figure this thing out. I still don't think they've, there's ever been a conclusive explanation for why boats and planes seem to disappear or have disappeared in that area of the world. Um, you know, there's just so many mysteries of the world that are just so fascinating there's no end of material to to write about and um you like i said you know you just let your imagination just kind of fill in the gaps of what what we don't know interesting um because <laughs> i can you know uh, i'm following a trend of thought and i'm uh, and I'm, I'm thinking you know I, I, some people talk about a parallel a parallel universe um, right. Mm-hmm. Wormholes and portals yeah. and all kinds of things. Yeah. Right. 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 And 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 
and maybe you know maybe the aliens have taken over with with and putting an, an, an agent with orange in charge of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so so let's let's stay on that a little bit because I want I'm jumping over into your other the other half of your life where you are a journalist. So so I, I'm imagining now that you 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 you're following a story, stumbling into a story. Do you do you ever find yourself trying to debate whether you should report on it as a journalist or whether you could twist it and carry it into <laughs> into a weird sci-fi <laughs> story? Or do you I mean maybe you could do both. Is that is that sometimes a dilemma that you deal with? Um, so you mean for example if I'm if I'm covering a story and I then decide to use that as a basis for a story? Like something or that a you know, sometimes story? you follow in a story and maybe maybe the the, the um the facts of the story are, are so incredible that mm-hmm. that it, I could see it with the type of imagination, the type of inspiration that you say that you get from mm-hmm. your stories. I could easily well, see some of it yeah. going, Wow, I wonder what, what could possess somebody to do something like that, you know, that kind of thing. And then, then I think I think um, I think definitely, and I think I've probably um, inadvertently done that in this book as well. So it will be interesting if somebody gets in contact with me and says, you know, hey, I think I recognize this story or I recognize uh, this, this character. So you know, as a writer, you cannot help but be influenced by your by your surroundings, by your circumstances, by the people that you interact with, people you observe. Um, they all end up in your story in some form or another. Um, so I was commenting to someone that when I reread what I'd written, I recognized some of the people. Um, but when I sat down to write it, I assumed that I was writing something that was purely out of my own imagination and creation. But there's no such thing. So, you, we are all influenced so you know, I, by... Did you, did you recognize yourself in some of these characters? Um, I think from, I think so. I think so. Um, I think particularly my female characters, um, are very, um, proactive about their destiny. And I like to think that I am too. Um, my theme, I think the overarching theme in the book is of, of self-awareness or self or, or becoming aware of yourself, becoming aware of some secret part of yourself. Or, or about a secret in the society. So there's a there's discovery, I should say, in all of the stories where the character either discovers something about themselves or discovers something about the world that they live in, some secret thing that has become exposed through, you know, um, something that they've done or, or, or witnessed. Um, so I definitely think that I'm in there somewhere. But um, probably very subtly. I don't think it's overt at all. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe some of your best friends might be able to recognize you. Might be able to recognize you in there. So, so Star Child definitely sounds interesting. Um, how many Thank you. stories do you have in? in the, how many short stories do you have in the book? There are twelve, 12 short okay. stories in the book. Twelve. Twelve of them, and um, all of them. Although they are they are they are complete and independent stories of their own, you you say that they they have that common thread of 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 a, of a, some kind of um, like a science 
post outpost that's located on right the, right yeah okay. so all of the stories have have um a similar thread running through them which is that all of these characters live on the same island which is St. Mark's well let me let me they clarify seem- for, for for my listeners because just because there's an island called the yeah, island called St. Bats with a B the title of the book yes. is St. Mark's with an M M A R T S yes that's right yeah, so, yes. so I wanted something that was it's not St. Martin, just to clarify for all the people listening to St. Martin, I'm not you. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it is, I wanted something that sounded believable. There could very well be an island called St. Martin in the Caribbean. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's probably a derivative of some of the other um, island names, and I just wanted to come up with something that would be believable, set in the Caribbean universe, but very different and unique in that its people are different mm-hmm. and are dealing with the um, the presence of a mysterious science facility on the island that seems to have a lot more control than would be normal under, you know, normal circumstances. So all of these people are living under a sort of an ominous presence of this science facility. So that runs through each of the stories. Um, I would say probably the last three stories, four stories are more tied together in that the characters begin to intersect from previous stories. But um, definitely the first ten stories, the first nine stories are standalone stories that um, are independent. But again, I've tried to let the characters intersect at different points. So um, characters from the first story may pop up in the in the eighth story, in the seventh story may pop up in the sixth story, that sort of thing. So that there's still some sort of cohesiveness to it. Right, and and you know I I, I am I'm fascinated by by that genre because as Caribbean people, it's very easy for our minds to expand into the realm of. If not necessarily supernatural or you know, but something extra human, mm-hmm. um, because we're very religious people for one, um, right? Very very spiritual and religious people, and our heritage is so strongly tied to to all of this, you know, supernatural. If you want to call it that, um, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I think I think it's a genre that fits within the the realm of of the Caribbean setting. Um, quite quite neatly, sort of bringing it in co- contemporarily, you know, bringing it up to current times. But but I, I I enjoyed the the reading that you did from Statile. So I'm I'm asking you if you, you have if you have another one from a different story that you would share with our listeners. Oh yes, absolutely. So, so I'm actually just going to go in order here. I don't know how much um, how much time we have and how many um, more excerpts that I can squeeze into um, the, the hour that we have together. Well, we, but we want them to buy the book, so we just, I just want to get them a good <laughs> them. I want, I want to give the listeners uh, a little taste, especially since okay. it's your first publication, a little taste of, of, the, of how well you write. Um, so well, the, but that's you, the idea, you. but the idea is not to entertain them for a whole hour. Uh, of, oh, okay. They, they okay. have to buy the book to get that kind of thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I will read to you from um, the second story in the book. It's called Instinct. Okay. Uneasy, Claudian watched her son play on the jungle gym. 
Ronnie seems so much smaller and vulnerable compared to the other children. When the boy at the top of the jungle gym playfully kicked at Ronnie's hands as he struggled up, she felt her breath catch. Ronnie gave a bleat, but continued to pull himself up. She smiled at his determination. He beamed back, proud of his little achievement. It was a beautiful day. A cool wind wafted through the new playground, cooling many fevered little brows. It was a small play area, two swing sets, a sandbox, some slides, nothing too fancy, but it was more than the children of the town of St. Francis had ever had. There was even a young guard on duty, although she doubted he could manage the local thugs who were bound to come once it got dark. She felt sorry for him as she watched him pick at the bandage on his chin. He would probably end up calling the police for help. She sighed, enjoying the combination of warm sunshine and refreshing breezes. The moist grass was emerald green, and the clouds looked like cotton in the turquoise sky. She inhaled and took in the scents from all directions, the damp, rich earth, the hibiscus flower bushes, the sweat of the children, the Chanel number no. 5 on the grandmother on the next bench, the blood of the cut on the guard's chin. She exhaled a sharp breath and closed her eyes briefly. Always overdoing it, she chided herself. She opened her eyes to see the grandmother on the next bench was staring at her. She was used to that. She tried to appear casual. It was always harder to restrain herself outdoors. Claudian glanced at the jungle gym. Ronnie was no longer there. She stood up and scanned the park looking for his red t-shirt. She swallowed hard and sprinted over to the jungle gym, trying not to let panic dictate her movement. She picked up his scent and followed it to the trees on the outskirt of the park. There was no boundary between the park and the woods. The trees just grew denser. Once she was out of the view of the other people in the park, she dropped to all fours quickly, and the hair on the back of her neck stood up. She sniffed the air, nostrils flared. Ronnie was a short distance away. She could also smell that another boy was with him. The boy was chasing Ronnie deeper into the woods. A growl escaped her before she could control it, and she ran, hunched over from the waist. They were just yards away, flashing in and out of her view between the trees. Ronnie's shrill screams drove her mad, and running full tilt, she slammed into the bigger boy from the back. He went flying and landed unconscious on the ground. He never saw her coming. So that's an excerpt from Instinct. And that's uh, the second story in the book. And I take it from from listening to you that, that you are a mother, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have two children. Yes, I have um, two. I have a son and a daughter. Uh, 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 just the, just the, the, the passion that comes through with the, um, the protectiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah, I, I guess comes from comes from from that, and and that is what that is what I I I, I guess in your from 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 your writing is that you 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 you're not a, you're not shy to to bring your sensibilities and into into the writing. Um, is that deliberate, or do you sometimes worry that you that you might reveal too much of your own thoughts or your your own pattern of thoughts when you write. So just to clarify, so you're asking me if, if there's you, too much of me in the writing? Well, it's not even <laughs> so much of you, but I guess uh, some, sometimes we, we like to gather our thoughts, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> and But then if we're writers and from reading it, our readers might say, hmm, that is how she thinks. Um, 
is that oh, is that okay. a thought that comes to you um, when you're writing? Now, when you re- especially when you're rereading, you're like, hmm, if I if I put that out in the world, people are going to know that that like, like for example, um, right now that that instinctive protectiveness, I immediately connected to motherhood, you know, um, right? Yeah, which which was written by a woman. Um, I don't know if a man could could capture the same sensibilities, even if he's talking about um, that instinctive protectiveness of a child. Um, so in that instance, I guess it's it's benign, it's innocent, it's but it could be in other realms as well, where as a writer, you sort of uh, open up a window into your soul, so to speak. Do you mm-hmm. do you ever? Is that is that a thing um, that I comes into into your writing when you're writing along? Not consciously, but I dislike writing stories in first person, mm-hmm. um, which is um, something that new writers are usually encouraged to do. And the reason for that is because you connect to your stories much more than when you're writing in third person, he, she, it. Mm-hmm. When you're writing, you know, I, you immediately put yourself or tend to put yourself into your character's shoes. And um, I think for me, that's a little too close for comfort. So um, it's not so much that I'm trying to protect my thoughts or my privacy, but I just think that I would have a tendency to get lost in my character, and then they would start acting how I would respond, and that's not what I want to do. I want to write um, for somebody who is in different shoes mm-hmm. or, you know, so, yeah, so I would prefer, I prefer to write in third person. It gives me a bit of distance mm-hmm. and helps me to be... Although I can still write with passion, I'm not writing about myself. And, um, you know, again, that's not something that's recommended to first-time writers. So I just want to put that out there. You know, if you're just uh, thinking of getting into writing, you definitely want to start off by um, writing in first person. Just so that you can get that connection to your character and to, um, you know, feel what they feel, see what they say. But for myself, I prefer third person. I prefer the distance of third person. That sort of um, almost um, omniscient uh, perspective. Do you think? Do you think that that might be because you you you're coming from a journalist background where you get used to writing about others instead of yourself? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think but, also I'm very. I think I'm also very uh, a, a bit of a private person, mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't necessarily like talking about myself. You know? I, don't, but I, I don't really enjoy that. I like being on the other end of the mic. So, like, this is very strange for me <laughs> right now, you know, to, to have somebody interested in what I have to say. And, you know, in my thoughts, usually I'm the one trying to penetrate, you know, their uh, their their defenses and, you know, getting them to talk about themselves. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so my I, I do have a sort of, of, I guess, a natural reserve that... Um, I hold on to even when I'm writing, but you know, passion is passion, and it comes out whether you want it to or not. So. Yeah, we, I guess which is exactly what I was what exactly what I was right about was asking, you know, um, and and whether it's true or not, you cannot you cannot you have less control of it. Your your readers projecting mm-hmm. your um, your characters onto you as a writer. Um, that that is something that is. That is something that is that is that is very natural, and and so um, I, 
Well, not to cut across you, no, but I think uh-huh. because I also write um, male characters, and I tend to, I think most of my protagonists are actually male, which is kind of interesting. It's probably a conversation for a whole other day, but um, <laughs> so I think that I've managed to um, distance myself just enough mm-hmm. so that um, hopefully there are different personalities coming through the pages of the story. Yeah, and and, and I mean, you, you read from two stories, you read Statile and you read from Instinct and they are they're very different you know Um, Mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes when people write a collection of short stories there there is that similarity that you see in the the, the storylines but in in the two stories that you just read they seem like they're, they're, they're very different from each other and and as I said before, I like the way that you you paint such a vivid picture. I could you know you can see thank you you can see the playground, you know, um, mm-hmm. you can you, you can see the child. You can you you sense uh, and 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 the way you capture all the senses of 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 the mother, and and then you went into that. Um, well, she she's not a normal. Human being, and also, <laughs> so, so I, I think you, I think you succeed, you succeed very, very well in um in your first work of published fiction. And thank um, you, thank you very much. I remember earlier you were saying that you, you one of your short stories did win an award. Um, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Give us. And give us um, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll give me a chance to read a little bit out of that one too. The, um, I. Let's talk about it. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, well, um, one of well, this is the last excerpt that I'll read for mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. um, I guess you can sort of pick when you'd like to hear it. But um, I was uh, very fortunate to have won the award for short story uh, in the short story category of the 2015 Nature Isle Literary Festival, which is um, a literary group run by um, Alvin Bully. Mm-hmm. And um, they have been on the forefront of promoting Dominican literature and authors and encouraging um, Dominican literature and writers to, um, you know, to, to higher levels in Dominica for a number of years. So um, they had an, an annual contest and my story, Water Woman, won for the short story category. So, you know, I was very honored and, and it was very encouraging, as you can imagine, to win that. I, I can imagine. Congratulations. So let's see a little excerpt from it as we approach um, the hour. Sure. And uh, just to let some um, writers in Dominica know that besides the Nature Isle Literary Festival, there's also the Whitey Kubuli Writers, and um, that's been run under the leadership of um, people like Christine Samelda and also Roy Sanford. So um, there are, you know, groups that are dedicated to helping authors to become published and to improve in their craft you say Nature in Dominica Island, as well. Which one? Nature Isle Literary Festival and Whitey Kubuli Writers. Whitey Kubuli, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. All right. So, um, so this is an excerpt from the book Water Woman, and I'm going to be uh, just sort of um, flashing right down into the middle of it, and I'm going to begin now. In his absence, she had nothing to do but to sit and remember. The children were self-sufficient, made so by force, because she had not been of use to them for so long. 
The older ones made tea for themselves and the younger ones and put themselves to bed. They took turns watching her through the night. She tried not to be resentful of their care and reminded herself that she must get over her illness and be a better mother. When did this strange sickness come over her? One minute she had been happy. No, not happy, but at least content with her life. Then suddenly, one day, she had woken up with a consuming desire to get away. She was a prisoner, trapped in a life that was of her own making. The abject poverty they lived in suffocated her with its unrelenting, unintent, minute-by-minute struggle to survive. The only thing that might have made this life bearable was the sea, and she had promised never to go back there. Just before dawn, the children woke up and ate the fish she had saved from their supper. They ate it with sea grapes and crackers, chattering loudly and excited about their plans for the day. She felt old and tired listening to them, but something about their joy was infectious. They teased her until they coaxed a real smile from her and they dragged her off to the river to play. Their bodies streamlined and sleek like otters twined and tumbled over each other as they boisterously swam and dove off the river rocks. She shivered in the crisp coldness at first, her body slower to acclimatize than theirs. Eventually, she slipped away to glean for fruits, awkwardly trying to climb the trees to steal their booty. The sun became too hot for her and she began to feel faint. The sun's rays filtered through the leaves in thin streams, seeking to sting her skin as she perched in the branches. Her mind wandered as she stared at the beams of light. It had been his flashlight dancing on the surface of the water above that had attracted her. The light was something new, shiny and tantalizing, drawing her up to the boat. He was not so interesting, but his treasures from the land acted like a magnet, and so she kept returning to the boat night after night. Her magic ensnared him. She was so full of life and laughter, so he too returned night after night with trinkets and flowers and shiny cheap things he could ill afford. She had been eager to see the place where these fascinating items were from, but was afraid. Eventually, he had coaxed her into the boat, and the rest was many years ago. So that was an excerpt from oh, Water Woman, and right. that was, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that was the story that won the short, uh, short story category from the um, Nature Isle Literary Festival contest for 2015. I'm I'm super impressed, Nicole. And um Oh, thank you. <laughs> you read you read some three stories and all three times you have me disappointed when you stopped. Um, oh <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm sure well, thank you. I'm, I'm sure glad you like them. Agree. I like it I like them a lot. And um and I'm definitely um expecting my copy. I I, I, I ordered <laughs> it. Um waiting actually waiting oh. for the Kindle version to come up because I ordered the the um paperback copy. Um, well, it's now available. It's now on Kindle. Okay. And um, so they're both available. Both um, copies are available uh, either through Amazon.com as a paperback or through Kindle as an ebook. Sometimes it's nice to have both. That you have your Kindle and you can take with you and you have your paperback that you can mm-hmm. keep on a coffee table or something so somebody mm-hmm. else can, can enjoy your read. And your, your stories are, are so light in a sense, easy to read, but at the same time they you know they and they're very engaging. So I would encourage I encourage listeners to um to go out there and get the book. And um congratulations. I I, I wish you all the best. Uh, I think you as a fiction writer is actually a gift to us and, and we really appreciate <laughs> it. 
thank you so much. And, you know, and all glory to God for the talent. So, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased that you are enjoying them. And um, I want to say thank you to everybody who's um, bought a book so far. And um, I just encourage them also to um, give their reviews on Amazon.com. Every little bit helps. And um, to spread the word. I appreciate it very much. And thank you. And I do hope that everybody enjoys reading them. I also want to say a quick shout out to um, my editors, Roy Stanford and Dr. Bernard Frampton. Thank you very much uh, for their input on to, um, into this collection as well. Awesome. And, and, and I want to say how grateful I am that you were able to be my guest on this weekend interview. I really enjoyed um, our conversation and I, I, I am so looking forward to sitting down this weekend and just devouring the, the rest of um, um, Tales from St. Matt. So thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate it. And I also want to say thank you to TDN Radio for the opportunity and to um, your producer, Sam. Thank you. All right. Great. All the best. Thank you. All right, listeners, there you have it. Um, I, every 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 Wednesday night on this weekend interview, um, the my experience with my guests um, is just is just awesome. Um, I hope you agree with me. I just see how you could you could come to any other conclusion that that Nicole is just a tremendous writer. Um, her her. Her, the pictures that she paints to her words are so vivid and so clear. So I encourage you, let's support, let's support, and at the same time, you, you're going to be adding a, a, a work, a very, um, you know, well done, a stellar work of art from this young writer, say her first, her first publication of fiction. So we wish you all the best. And um, you, my listeners, thank you for joining me. This has been This Week in Interview. As usual, I encourage you to go to the website, um, TDN Radio, go to the podcast and listen again to the interviews because even when I listen to them, every time I listen to them, there, there is something new that I did not hear the first time. Um, so our podcasts are available. If you miss a Wednesday, you can go back on there and, and you can capture it. Uh, so to all my listeners, thank you for joining me for another installment of this week in interview thank you to my producer and engineer sam always keeping the mics live and keeping us on air and um, my guest miss nicole judges bennett uh, on the release of her book called tales of saint max it's available on amazon.com i encourage you to go there and support her and also um as i said at the top of the show remember um you have an opportunity to to get your trip to, to Dominica or to St. Lucia next year, sponsored by um, Fire on Monster at the movie. If you go to the GoFundMe page um, and you donate $25 or more, you get a chance to win um, your airfare, your hotel, and a season ticket um, to either the Creole World Career Music Festival in Dominica or the um, Jazz Festival in St. Lucia, your choice. So go there and support. And of course, um, our guest tonight being Miss Nicole um, Judges Bennett. Go go find her book. And um, I will see you next week, Wednesday, uh, when we do this again, this week in interview at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on tdnradio.net. So let me say good night. Enjoy your weekend. I know it was August Monday in Dominica this week. I hope everybody had, a, had lots of fun. And um, back to work. See you on Wednesday.